the Koi Gig Pod. Tune in and support us, please. We need every little bit of support. Um, we might be outnumbered here in Australia, but we can definitely feel the love from back home. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Hurling on off the ball with Board Gosh Energy. Hurling, it's anyone's game. All right, I am delighted to say our next guest is Dr. Eamon O'Shea, and we get to talk hurling for the next while. Eamon, good afternoon, good evening to you. How are you? Hi, Ger. How's it going? Good, good, good. Uh, do you think about the All Ireland hurling final this week the same way you would have done when you were involved at management level with Tipperary, or do you get to just relax and enjoy it now? Yeah, just enjoy it now. Just an, just another game. Yeah, it's very, it's very different uh, when you're involved. You know, you're a little bit detached from it, but still, still, it's a it's a great weekend. It's a good weekend. You know what I mean? You'd be excited, a little bit excited, but but not uh, a bit detached at the same time. Because um, John Kiley during the week was saying that he loves the training. Every every time he gets into the car to go and spend time in the company, of the players is great. But on match days there's no enjoyment you're at work was that your experience or similar to it yeah when you're with the group uh, when you're with the group it's much easier because it's you know you're working all the time you're dealing with you're trying to prove things or you're trying to just dealing with the day, the, the minute to minute issues of the training session uh, and it's that's the enjoyment you get from it I mean kind of one of the things about training teams and being involved in teams is you get to see people working hard at their craft or getting better, you know, or trying to do things that 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 you're interested in. And you see a lot of that, and that's the real enjoyment out of it. The match days are a totally different job. I mean, I always separate the match days from the from the prep. You know, the match days is short time. It's it's short time. And that has its nice things too. But 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 you know the actual fact of the actual act of trying to be better is is a, is a different kind of experience and it's really enjoyable. Yeah, they're totally different experiences the way yeah. you've described them there. One is full of adrenaline and reacting and the other one is long-term, slow, considered planning. Yeah, yeah. And you get to see people, you get to see people potentially often, uh, you know, trying to do things and, and you can see where they're trying to go with things and maybe getting frustrated where it's going and try to address these issues or they're trying to address these issues. And you can actually see people trying to trying to perfect either the game plan or what's in their own head about how to play and how to get better. And that's 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 in itself is a reward sometimes. It's not obviously the same reward as winning in All Ireland, but it's 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 a it's a it's a question of people just trying to be better. And so when people talk about elite, sometimes you know, elite gets thrown around. But you know, I, I, I always, like elite can happen in any part of your life. You know, you're trying to be a better parent or a better father or a better, you know, shopkeeper or better economist. You know what I mean? You're you're you're, you're, you're trying to be better. Uh, sometimes we use elite as if it's sort of sort of sort of distant sort of perfection world, but. That's that's what you see sometimes. You're hoping to see anyway. You don't always get it, but you're hoping to see people wanting to strive to be that little bit, that little bit better. If you get that every day, you come in in a great environment. Um, I, I'd love to talk to you a bit more about the environment and, and the creation of it. Before I do, was there, in retrospect, when you look back at being both a manager and a coach, which was the bit that made you happiest? 
Uh, which, yeah, well, yeah, you should do is probably as little looking back as as as, <laughs> as you can, to be honest. But if you do look back, uh, the culture is obviously one where it takes you into so you're working much more closer with the person in the terms of the act or the act of the game, the process of the game, the technicalities of the game. The manager is a little bit different. You're standing back another little bit uh, and you're holding a lot more balls in your hand because in a sense, you know, you're having that conversation with a number of different people, you know, very often with a manager, it's been on the team or off the team, you know what I mean? Or, or, uh, and so on sometimes, but with a coach, whether it's individually or collectively, in a sense, there's a more of a shared kind of experience. With a manager, it's less shared, you know what I mean? Because you make the final decision, uh, whether you play or you don't play. Or, well, you know, you don't make it individually on it. But you know what I mean? You're, you're responsible, ultimately, for that decision. And obviously that brings with it certain difficulties. Uh, but also, when you get it right, it's, it's a leadership role and somebody needs to be bringing that leadership. So I can see that there's an, attractive, an attractiveness to both of those separate roles. Oh, 100%, yeah. And, uh, absolutely 100%. I mean, being, being, being a manager means you can probably set, you know, you, you do serve to maybe set the agenda a bit more depending on the setup that you have. But, you know, I've always found, in, especially when I was involved with Tip, when I was coached, that, you know, there was a great deal of shared autonomy in terms of, terms of, setting the way the team played and so on like that so so you know but being a manager definitely definitely allows you to take your ultimate kind of plan and try to impose that on on, on a team for sure you have more power generally okay Uh, and so it was a natural progression for you to become a manager having been the coach and seen that well, for me, it wasn't a natural progression, really. I mean, I came upon the manager as kind of, kind of, uh, you know, I, I didn't, didn't even when I was caught, never feel I wanted to be the manager. You know what I mean? I never felt it was the next natural progression. I mean, because it's not a professional sport, like, you know, when I when I was coach, you know, I, I went back and uh, just went back to my job and still interested in how to barely play, but never thought of being the manager again. To be honest with you, uh, and then when it came up. When it came up, it seemed like the right thing to do uh, for a number of different reasons. So I was glad to do it and really, really developed an awful lot from it uh, myself as well. You know, so, you know, you get something from it as well. You know what I mean? It's not all all one way street here, you know. So you you did actually feel like you were challenging yourself and becoming... Oh, yeah, you do. Oh, definitely, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Uh, A a different different sort of challenge. but definitely challenging challenging in the context of of trying to trying to imprint something and knowing that there was something gone before you but also knowing there was something coming after you i mean i never saw myself as being a a long-term manager as in you know 10 years or 20 years not in the not in the job i have you know i had an i had a short period of time i knew i had a short period of time before real life would take over and crowd out that but uh you know, within that time, yeah, it gives you a sense of well, what can I, what can I, what can I, what can I help with here, or what can I, what can I uh, try to add to here another layer? Yeah. Um, when I think of your teams and, and your vision for what the game is, uh, I, we were, were talking to Anthony Nash a little bit earlier on, and he was making the point about the game at the weekend is that Kilkenny are going to have to get goals, and I was like, okay, great, explain to me how they're going to do that, and he was like, mm-hmm. well, they need to create space and they need to get 
uh, their best forwards one on one in space. Yeah. I was like, okay, now how do they do that? And that's kind of what I think about your vision was to try and create as much space as possible for your fastest and best players as close to goal as possible. I've distilled it horribly and I may well have butchered it, but that's what I get the sense that you spent a lot of the time of your thought about attacking play anyway. Is that fair? Yeah, it's it's about, it's about getting your top players, your guy finishers. I mean, it's, it's first of all acknowledging that there are different skill sets on the team. In the sense, even if whether you're on an elite, you know, whether you're on a temporary senior team or whatever, Kilkenny senior team, not not everybody is the same. Everybody brings certain attributes, and uh, and they have real strengths that add, hopefully, to the collectivity of the team. But it's getting that acknowledgement that we all don't do the same job. Some of us are better finishers than others. Some of us are better to create pockets and avenues of space than others. Uh, some people can create space more than others. Sometimes players see more than others. I think part of the coach or the manager or the coach and the manager is to begin to identify these players that have these attributes. And then the trick is, if, the trick is and the goal is to bring this together in a performance where all the orchestra is playing their different instrument, but it sounds good when, when it comes out. And that's that's the sort of challenge, you know what I mean? And I... You know, I, that's the way I describe it. Other, other people would see, you know, uh, you know, differently. But for me, it was just simply to get the finishers where they can finish, to get the guys who were uh, collective enough to open up space if they had to, uh, to get the guys on the ball that could deliver, and to get the ball to the guys that could deliver. So, in a sense, you try to break it down in that very practical, functional way, while at the same time leaving it up to them a little bit. Because, you know, if if, if I'm, you know, I, I, I can never see as much as somebody like Noel McGrath on a pitch. I, I can't do that. I, I, I'm not on the pitch. He sees it in real time. So for me to be telling the likes of him how to play the game, I'm not sure that that's my role. My role is to allow him to see the game and then play the game as he sees it and everybody else be ready for that. For I'm just using him as an example. So how do you have those conversations to give him the autonomy on the pitch? Because it was interesting that you talked about having autonomy uh, yeah. as a coach. You then, I think, it sounds like, would like your players to feel confident. Explain what the game plan is, is trying to do and then ask them how we're going to do it and have those conversations to give Noel the sense, well, I'm going to try these things and afterwards I'm going to have a conversation about it. How do you, how do you get everybody else on the same hymn sheet and how do you talk to him about that? Well, it's just, I mean, part of the thing is just, as you said it there, it's part of this is a conversation. I mean, it's part of it is me having a, part of it is the coach having a, a, a blueprint that the players, first of all, believe in, because it's not easy to get players to believe in what you're doing either. You know what I mean? They have to see and trust you. The collective, this is not an individual player, has got to see and see, okay, I'm prepared to go along with this, uh, you know, and, you know, uh, it might take a while for it to embed and so on. So there is this period where there is this, you know, almost a guessing game. Is it well? Is this going to work? Is this person really the person that can bring us on? Uh, and then you can have once that's once that point is reached, then you have a team saying, "Yeah, you know what? Uh, we think we're getting better." And therefore, it's much easier having these individual conversations then, uh, because trust is a big element of this. And so a player feels or doesn't feel that you know the first sign of trouble you're going to abandon them 
you know, or, uh, and say, well, you know, that's not what I mentioned, you know, this is the plan and you weren't carrying out the plan, you know, uh, you've got to give players, you've got to give players, a, 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 in my degree, a high degree of autonomy, but I think most managers say that. Look, I mean, if you take the match on Sunday, there'll be times on Sunday where the players will see the problem before the, before the coaches of the manager. Uh, and therefore, they're in a better position to pick up positions on the pitch. Uh, so let's prepare them to do that uh, and, and and to react even before. I mean, there's an awful lot of talk about managers making this switch or that switch and so on. And it is important at times and good managers can do this really well. But equally, it's important for the players to be able to take control over the, the, the game itself and that awareness to maybe react to an in-game change uh, in structure, or an in-game an in-game change where things aren't going the way you wanted to wanted it to be, but they must have conversations amongst themselves there as well. There's no point in you know this obviously practice on the on the hurling pitch, but you know if you're talking about space and weight and so on like that, they must be able to have these conversations amongst themselves. It must be currency in the dressing room. If it's not currency in the dressing room, all the set plays you have in the world uh, won't won't get it through. So when you guys went in um, to that Tipperary team, uh, when you were part of Liam Sheedy's group, was it was, was that what you're talking about getting them on side first and then yeah and well, yeah go on sorry you know it's a natural part of the process I mean you know uh, you know uh, you know you have to trust it in the management team first you know what I mean I, uh, that 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 we're all that we're all that we all feel the reason we're here and then that trust evolves. And in any good team, you know what I mean, there's going to be setbacks and, you know, and your learnings from those setbacks. But it is that development of trust and that communication is central and the sense that this is a enjoyable way of playing, you know, and, uh, you know, enjoyable doesn't mean, you know, nobody has responsibility. In fact, it's the direct opposite. Enjoyable means you have responsibilities, you carry out those responsibilities, you give everything for the team and for the collective. And let's see how it turns out in the end. Uh, and let's see then how your own game turns out in the end. But but it, but in a sense, that collective is the creation of the collective is the real ultimate, you know, what, what you're looking for. At least when I go to see the game, like I love individual skill, I love individual brilliance. But for me, it's also played out within a collective environment or a team environment. And how long did it take you for the players to believe in the currency of what you were trying to do when it came to understanding space and talking about that and bringing width and, and not playing as individuals so I'd say how long did I convince myself first uh, because that's a hard job you know to say are you on the right pathway you know and uh, you know and having the confidence that the team you know the manager the manager is confident uh, selectors are confident everybody in the group is confident are we confident you know and so it's an evolution it's a it's a it's it's an evolution it, it doesn't it doesn't there's not a you know, I know some people say well, I knew after this game you know I know for example back in 2008 or league games which I said to myself I don't think you're cut out for this job. You know what I mean? This is not happening the way you want it to happen. You know, what's going on here? So before you start blaming players or you're thinking, okay, so am I not, I'm not communicating this correctly. Uh, uh, and I suppose it's that, for me, part of it has been honest then to the players and say, look, look, there's sometimes I, I won't get this right. You know, so you're, 
you're really good players. You're going to have to help us out here. You know what I mean? You know, and, and I am lucky to have players who could do that uh, in in that setup. That, that's really interesting. And actually, probably even a better question is: Where did you come up with what the vision for what you wanted the team to do? Uh, was that a, a reaction to what you'd seen over the previous three or four years that had been successful at inter-county level? Or was it always the way that you thought the game should be played? Well, I, I, suppose, it's, I suppose it's always in my head, you know, in terms of, and then looking up the man like Liam Sheedy, manager, and Mick Ryan, who were with me at the time, you know, were different types of players, but they also had an idea that, that we needed Tipperary to be something else, you know, and and I was allowed, allowed sort of uh, to to uh, experiment a little and so on like that. But in terms of in terms of the in terms of the this was having feeling that there were players in that team that had the ability, but but I suppose I I always had a view that 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 I couldn't. I couldn't be involved in any other way. And I, I only gave myself a short time really to see could this work out, you know. I mean, I wasn't interested in being involved just to be involved, you know what I mean? You want to try to create something, but everybody feels that like you want to create something that you feel is feel is what you think is the right way to do things. Um can can I go back one one step? So as a player, am I right in saying you were a half forward? Yeah, yeah. Uh I was, yeah, but and you know, I you was know, a player like I was, you know, I was average enough player, uh, um, you know, um, but you know, probably in college in in with UCD back in the time back in the days, you know what I mean? We had a really enjoyable experience where we were messing about. You know, we we had a we had a kind of we had a kind of beginnings of a collective back back in the end of the nineteen seventies, eighties when I was early eighties. Which I really enjoyed and it had a big influence on me. And then I also had a big influence on my club because my club was won a lot of county finals and an Ireland club final, and it had a kind of a a really strong traditional orientation. But so it gave me the, it gave me a sense of groundedness as well. So I I felt I, I felt I understood what groundedness was, and I felt I, and then I had I had I felt I understood what what I wanted to impose on that. And not lose, in a sense, the I suppose the temporariness of what we were trying to do, where we were rooted in, what we were rooted in, and the previous generations of temporary teams. I grew up with hearing the names of these players, and these were all players that, in, also, in my view, although I don't know how, imperceptibly influenced the way I thought about how the game is played. You know, uh, going back to temporary, you know, uh, classical players. You know what I mean? Going back along with Jimmy Dial in my time, you know, uh, would have been a big Liam Devaney, these type of players, the Tipperary teams of the 60s. Although I can't actually remember seeing them play for Tipperary because we probably only saw one game a year. I saw some of them playing club and I, I would have been influenced by those players as well and having a sense of what was Tipperary and what wasn't, you know what I mean? And uh, uh, what I believe what Tipperary should be. So, and then there was a kind of influence of, you know, I suppose the revolution of 60s and 70s and the kind of uh, almost soccer revolution but also the, the sort of awakening of, of different forms of things in, the, in that which was also so all of that just all that just but it had to be within a temporary framework for me okay that's that's what I grew up with and and the language I spoke was hurling 
And I didn't speak another language. I spoke English badly, but I did speak hurling well. And Tipperary hurling, particularly then, if they... yeah, 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 just because, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. You but know what I mean, it, it was a language of where I lived, and uh, you know, a language I still love. But obviously, you go to UCD and find kindred spirits who are interested in yeah. experimentation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, just just we were true. Like we just we weren't a great team, uh, but we we had. I mean, I had huge, huge, great, great fun on the hurling pitch. Uh, uh, you know, and uh, just just it it wasn't going anywhere. But it certainly was influenced, uh, you know, uh, and at the time, you know, we were successful temporary miners on our 21s as well, which also had, you know what I mean? But it was certainly rooted in, it was not, it was, it didn't arrive from, it was rooted in, in, in the sort of hurling fields of North Tipperary, to be honest with you. That, that, that sense of building something on an already strongly, uh, strong, strong temporary tradition. And am I correct in saying your playing career finishes just before the Nicky English Pat Fox team comes along and re-establishes Tipperary at the top tier? Yeah, and and that then would have been, I mean, the likes of Nicky English come along. I mean, I, I, I was at the end of my career. I didn't end my career voluntarily, uh, but and I was fine with that. But but I come at that, seeing those players and seeing the sort of 1980s, say the late 1980s, was really exciting for me as well you know what i mean it's just yeah. tip, it's so long since tip tip had won all ireland and i i played in temporary teams that weren't that successful still a good still in tribal experience you know but but weren't successful and that was something really good in a sense of say the late uh you know the, the early the, the the early 90s yeah of tip beans uh sort of uh, through Babs being glamorous again. You know what I mean? There was, a, there was a sense of that. But I was busy trying to establish myself a career then and, uh, you know, I, I was just a fan. And were you involved at all? That was the other thing that I, I kind of wanted to ask. It seems like it's almost a left field decision to get back involved with Tipperary at that point. But you must have been doing something at some level that Liam Sheedy was like, OK, I, I need somebody to be the architect of of what this shared vision is. But what, what was your coaching CV before you got that gig? Uh, well, probably put the low into low key. Um, 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 you know, I was doing a bit with, uh, I was in uh, University of Galway, and so I was doing a little bit with the Fitzgibbon team. I'm not a bit, like I did it every year, like and uh, came across some great players and, you know, uh, like Sir James O'Connor would have been, would have been sort of come through there. And I, I would have talked an awful lot about hurling, you know what I mean? And, I was still playing, still playing a bit of hurling uh, in the early nineties, and then, then kind of just, just tangential to hurling, came back and did a little bit with my club. We'd gone back down uh, to intermediates and to sort of coach them with my brother uh, uh, to win an intermediate in Tipperary. But you know, I was not. I had no plans. To be honest with you, I had no plans. Uh, I was really interested, getting reinterested in the game, but. I had no plans to do anything like that. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, I got a call one day from the county chairman, you know, would I be interested if if the right circumstances came up to coach Tipperary and, uh, you know, that those right circumstances would bring me in contact with Liam Sheedy. And uh, we got on and uh, still do. A very important part of that, isn't it? The, like having the crack with the people you actually are going to war with and who you're going to have difficult conversations with at some stage. I, I can't emphasize enough, especially, you know, how important it is to have 
but I would say have fun, have to have crack. You know, I mean, they. I mean, we were. You know, we we got to know each other, Mick Ryan and Liam Sheedy and myself, and you know, it was it was great fun, even when even even days when things were bad. You know what I mean? And we were we would be honest with each other. I mean, the lads would sometimes tell me, you, you know, you just can't do that. You know, you just can't. We we can't do that. I know, and and they were right. What, you know like, what I mean? Yeah, and 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 equally, you know, um, so. And and they and they, they they were really grounded in in a sense of also um, a mentality, a really strong mentality, which really also I think influenced my thinking then as I went on. Because the other thing is you have to have fun, you have to good crack, and you have to enjoy the people you're with. But you have to be getting something far from them, and they have to be getting something from you. If, if there's not a kind of mutual exchange uh, there. Uh, then, then it becomes stale really quickly, you know. And we had that really big time, uh, I think. And I was also in an environment. Remember that environment at the time was made up of really good people, like uh, um, you know, O'Neill was Keane O'Neill who went on then to be football and uh, still is with Galway. Like he was outstanding. Uh, Caroline Curd was with us, who's now with Limerick, and was, uh, was also outstanding. So. We were in an environment where where every day going in, uh, we were pushing each other. Uh, and you know, at that time it was Kilkenny, obviously, we were trying to trying to trying to try to beat, you know. And the chase was fantastic in a sense, trying to chase it down, you know what I mean? Trying to chase them down. Uh, you know, uh that period was probably really really uh high point uh, certainly in terms of the challenge was really was really great do you remember any of the wild ideas that you had that got mixed? <laughs> no no wild ideas were beaten straight away they, they were so wild that that, that they never saw the, 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 the light of day you know you can uh, keep those for the book come here the, the the chase obviously ends successfully when you stop a five in a row um yeah. And just looking back again at the goals, it's it's wild. But Lars is like so. The first goal, there's somebody on him, but the other two goals, the space has been created. And I was I was trying to see who the hand pass for the last goal comes from, or maybe it's the second one. No, I think yeah, it's no, Noel. Noel. it is Noel yeah, McGrath. Yeah. yeah, it's um he goes one way, Lars goes the other, and the hand pass yeah. is delivered perfectly, kind of over the shoulder, almost no look, and it's like ah, this is what you're talking about, where the symphony, or the orchestra yeah. is playing, and the symphony sounds great. Yeah, and that's two. That's three players. That 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 was a direct ball, I think, from Grode Ryan, who's probably understated to very team, but not 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 by me. Uh, who moved the ball really quickly? Then it was caught by Noel by the decision. It was also a man moving off his left, and then Lara moved. Lara was in a position to move off his right in the space inside. Like I can tell you, that was never practiced as the move. That, that was never, we never did that in training. They did that on the day, reacting to the events that were around them. That that was created in their heads through an environment, by an environment that allowed it, through the manager and 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 and, and the rest of us. So I, I think there's an interesting, an interesting observation in terms of you know, quick ball, the you know, options left and right, a genius of the delivery, and then a good finish, you know, and uh, you know, um that 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 to me was was where good players really making good choices uh, at the right time uh, and an important signal that that the way we played could win big matches. 
within the framework, obviously, that is coached, which is yeah, within a within a framework that where it's allowed. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, even in structuralist the, the new structuralist models of hurling, in a sense, you know, why is why why it's a jive. Sunday's game next Sunday's all Ireland final is going to be really a jive because Limerick, for all the for all the way they structured their game, still allow those moments of genius to unfold from you know from 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 their players and similarly Kenny's evolution over the last few years has also allowed bits and pieces to open up where where they're trying to break down you know I mean everybody has their own style you know and and rightly so I mean my view is about coaching is that if if you're to change the jerseys of your team would the public recognize your team in different jerseys if they can't then what are you doing as a coach uh, because you're probably only being a derivative. Uh, but if the public can recognize your team in a different jersey, you know, if you put them in different jerseys, then then you've got some mark. And that, that to me, is a real challenge for a coach. Is there something, and a manager, is there something definitive? And I always felt that, that <laughs> what good and bad, the good days and bad days, you might recognize that the bad days as well. Uh, but the good days, you think, yeah, you know what? That's that's the way they play and uh, and so on. So yeah, and I would say that about both Limerick and Kilkenny. I now would you know he, there are elements of both those teams that are really that are really pleasing uh, for me in the way they try to play the game. Even though hurling is a slightly different game now than it was when I when we were involved, um, um, you know we didn't have to worry as much nowadays about structural stuff about puckouts. Uh, than than teams do now. Um, back then, it was uh, you know we had to worry about other things, but not not too much about that. Were you as interested and as focused on how your team would uh, defend as you were about the attacking side of the game? I mean, obviously, you're coaching everything, and when you're coaching the forwards, you're coaching the defenders, or marking them. But yeah. how how do you? How do you square that, or or what what's the ratio in your own head about like thinking about how to create the space? So it would, yeah, it definitely would involve defenders, and it definitely would involve defenders again communicating with attackers. You know what I mean? And we had players who evolved or played to be really good distributors of the ball. And our view was when the goalie had the ball or when the cornerback had the ball, the the tendency was ask yourself the question: Is there a goal on here? And similarly, if I'm in, if I'm a number fifteen at the far end, one of our forwards at the far end, when our cornerback gets the ball, where do I want ultimately? Where, where's my position to encourage him, even though he may not see you only uh, subconsciously, or that 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 you're thinking, yeah, I think it's on, uh, and therefore we 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 can shift the ball uh, all 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 through the pitch. So if everybody's on message that 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 we're going for this, then then I think that a team has a chance, and and I think that's most teams probably now play with a, now play with a little bit of mentality like that. It's a bit slower than I than I like at the moment. It's a bit slower. The build up play is a bit slower, um, but but like it's 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 a diff- as I said, it's a different kind of it's a it's a more structuralist game now. And, uh, but the best teams are still coming out on top. Do you, in my view. do you, do you think then that there's actually a potential? Uh, cycle turn or, or whatever evolution even where things could be speeded up where we could get the ball forward a bit quicker 
Yeah, I, I think the next phase is going to be very interesting, and that's I suppose that's you know that's that's you know so a lot of teams are seeing like I mean if you if you uh, like uh, I remember when I saw the Limerick half backline being named for the match against Galway, and I think they had Jerry Hegarty and Kyle Hayes and Dermot Burns, and I I just looked at that that is shocking. Oh, I mean, how do you get the ball through that line? I mean, uh, but 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 I think it's a case of how we how you. I mean, I, I wonder sometimes, are we looking at teams like Limerick, uh, who I think are an incredibly skillful team. I think they're an incredibly high-technique team, as well as being everything else that everybody has identified them. So I think we have to get, if you want to beat them, you have to be be more technical than technical than technical than be, be Go harder on your hurling. Go harder on your tempo. Go harder on your pace. Instead of saying, oh, we have to get big men yeah. to match them. Uh, and I'm not sure that that's the answer. And uh, because their big men are so technically good uh, uh, as well, uh, generally. Uh, so I, I think the next evolution will be how, again, of how we can how we can even move the ball faster uh, and and get better at control and get better at accuracy. Because... Teams are losing games at the moment through through not being accurate enough in their passing and in their scoring when they get an opportunity. Yet sometimes the temptation is to see that people are losing games because the opposition are stronger. But even if the opposition are stronger, if I'm a little more accurate and a little more technical, you know, I think you're in with a chance. So so I think you need to be clear on what on, on what sort of players you have for us, what they're good at. And where you can make your gains. So you obviously did a similar uh, analysis of the Kilkenny team that you were chasing, which yeah. up until this point was the the greatest team that we'd ever seen, or certainly yeah. in the last fifty years. Um, what what was your assessment as you were getting closer and closer to them about what you guys needed to do to finally get over the line the way you did? Well, part of it is to have the confidence, the confidence to do it. First of all, the beliefs, the belief system is really necessary to be strong and and commitment to a commitment to what's often called, usually called now elite play, elite elite systems. And what Liam Sheedy and McRae are really good at in uh, and proved later on was in in creating eliteness around a group. And I think one of the things is about. That belief system, it it, it, it it you have to draw it from everywhere, from the kit man up to your timekeeping, up to your logistics. So it is true in my view that you can't take anything for granted in a system. So so uh, so it's not just belief that you can hurl or belief you know we can do this. It's belief in everything that's around you that you're building something, something that that that's that's good. You know what I mean? So I think that's that's really strong. But I think it's the case of being able to being able to deliver these these performances when the pressure is at its highest uh, and for us the pressure was always going to be the highest when we played became in league finals or pedaling or iron finals so it had to be that we were preparing to play our best in Crow Park and that that was certainly was a strong belief of Eames. Uh, and a strong belief of mine and makes that this is where we want to be able to play and we don't want anything to interfere with it in terms of, you know, 
the gay the the, the event or the the, the you know the, the 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 magnitude of the game these were irrelevancies uh should be irrelevancies this should be a chance to perform and so we had to work really hard at that and then the third thing was we had to try to really work hard i think when i when i think uh, is execution on making sure that when the chances came that we didn't waste any and of course we did but but we tried to minimize or diminish reduce the amount of chances that you wasted so going back to the technical part of your work that you know you make sure your passes are on when you make them you make sure you're putting ball into the right spaces you make sure that when you're shooting they're in the best position to shoot and you make sure that when you can't shoot you make sure that you get the ball to the finishers who are really good Uh, and and we really used to put because everybody knew like that, who we wanted to finish here, and they knew their responsibilities. I mean, nobody felt good or bad for them if they missed them. They just it happened, and it's not going to happen the next time, you know. So it was very matter of fact. And are, are you are you relying on a, a series of drills in training, or are you trying to train this in a, a game environment where it's very short games and short bursts, and, and then having a look and going, okay, we're we're not doing this here. This isn't working for us. How when when you're talking about stressing the technical. And, and putting mm. putting the technical under stress, yeah. At, at a training session on a wet Tuesday night, you're trying to mimic Croke Park in September, and it's very yeah. difficult to do that. But what? How are you actively and and physically doing that? So, so taking the players up that they're. So I think the first part of it is taking the players up to a level where they're challenging themselves to, uh, you know. And you've heard this before. We've all heard this to be the best they can be. You know, very really strong. But the best they can be is challenging themselves to deliver those skills. At, at, at in a sense at the most intense time so part, your training sessions always have to have well not all the time but when it's right have to have periods of intensity where they're being challenged to deliver these performances in a training match in an environment that's highly technical and physical to mimic the opposition so that's really important so there is a time when you really got to say you are at your maximum maximum um flow if in a sense that the, that that the, that you're at your maximum challenge in a training session, that has to happen. Not every night, but it has to happen. Uh, you know, in preparation. So that's that's certainly really important. And the, the other part of that is that you're challenging them also individually. So so I believe in a lot of individual work with players as well. So so one on ones where where you can talk for an hour with a player. And not necessarily do anything physically demanding, but to do mentally demanding stuff of challenging that player to think about what it means to be, you know, the phrase in the zone, you know what I mean? And, and in a sense, I'm sure in your job and in my job, day job, like, you know, the times you're in a zone and you know, the times, you know, you're not in the zone and you're able to, you're able to judge these yourself if you're a thinking person. But 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 it's another thing to 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 kind of force yourself to say, look, this is a really important day here, or this is a really important part of the job here. I I am given this maximum attention. I am given this maximum intentionality. I am given. I am on here to prepare your mind for that. It's not always as simple. I think as we all know in our normal life, it's not always simple. But you do know when you don't do it. Yeah. And and you're mad. And you're mad with yourself. Because you know, 
if somebody said to me, oh, you did a good job there, and you say, well, actually, I didn't really, to be honest. Uh, I know it. Thanks. But, you know, I know it. So it's really challenging that mentality uh, on a one-on-one basis. Uh, you know, and I think that's really important in a coaching environment. Time is the big thing when you're when you're only doing it when you're when you're not a professional when you're not a professional, you know. Yeah, but even the way you're you're speaking there about uh, players being in the zone, and we think of the hand pass that we were just talking about, they may yeah. not have practiced it, but they knew what they were doing as soon as it happened. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, did you have a, a fairly standard? We need runners off both sides. And, and from this good things will flow and you can practice that and then whatever happens after that is up to them and their own individual or or was am I kind of have I gone down the wrong path here and that actually what you're doing is making everybody be as technically skillful as they can possibly be and so therefore whatever the scenario is they've got the best skill set to deal with that and they have to deal with each one because it's it's quite chaotic out there it's a creep, it is chaotic out there so again going back to what we first said it's about how you how you hand over that chaos uh, and and you try to get the best decisions, and you can talk about it afterwards. You know, you can't have players just doing their own thing either. There has to be some sort of generality in terms of how you want to play the game. But in a sense that you know, you, you know, you know, you have routines in training where your players coming off the shoulder. You know what I mean, and and stuff like that, and and set plays and that. But they can only take you so far. In a sense, if you have this communication and conversation about how we want to play or even how we how we see other players, I mean, I mean, I always say to players, well, do you know exactly everybody surrounding you? You know, are you able to compensate for the weaknesses of the players play to your right and left? Do you understand the way he likes to get the ball? You know, do do they know how you want to receive the ball? You know, fouls will say to you, well, sure, I'm not getting any good ball in here. But their body language might be such that there's no way they can get a good ball because they're not they're not turned they're not turned they're not opening up anything. So so really so really you try to have maximum try to have maximum conversation and communication that they know this is the way we want to play. You know, of course you have to have all the stuff around you that people say work rate, you know, tackling all of that stuff is in your head as well. Yeah. So, but all of that's got to be in your head and just let out and play then when it comes to play. Like you can, you can't be taking out the, the guidebook, you know, uh, and, and and say, what did he say there about, uh, you know, <laughs> space? Uh, what, what did he say there about open up that? I, I can't remember that. So it's a matter of, it's a matter of trusting that all of these players also will have played the game for a long time. And you're probably awakening things that other people would have said to them and maybe they're just adjusting it or making it. So, so coaching is coaching is in my view is always a little bit derivative you know you know in the sense that you're adding layers and layers or trying to shift subtly uh thinking but that doesn't mean that other stuff that they've learned is redundant you know yeah you're you're building on it you're building on layers layers of knowledge were you were you coaching at Fitzgibbon the same way like was that kind of a, a the outlet that you had that allowed you to to think about these things and to be fascinated by them for that period of time before you got to intercounty level yeah because I think I was you know you're under no pressure you're under no pressure really you know what I mean you can just go out there and University Hurling and still is uh, uh, it's been downgraded a bit unfortunately by by people who don't who really don't understand 
uh, uh, the importance of it. But 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 it's 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 a great melting pot of ideas and players come from different counties and clubs and so on like that. And people just want to have fun. A lot of cases, I know it's got very serious and that wanted to win it. We all, everybody wants to win it, but it is an element of where you're meeting a lot of different ideas. But the important point to question there is that if you're a coach, you have to evolve as well. So, you know, I learned very quickly as the player improve, as the player you have in front of you improves, if you don't get better, then, then, then they'll outgrow you. And in a sense, in a sense, you have to be coming back to them all the time with something that's that's challenging all the time, and that's the key, really. And you know, that's sometimes very exhausting. I found it, I found it definitely really exhausting in terms of you know the challenge it gave to the coach as well. You know what I mean? How do you keep getting the best? How do you keep telling them that this is new? You know, because you have to be doing that. Because they're challenging you back because they're good normally, you know what I mean? The yeah. Level. yeah. And sorry, I know you said you speak the language of hurling. Are you uh, attuned to other sporting revolutions or even other fields of thinking that you're bringing to the hurling field? Yeah, I think so. And I think most of us are, you know what I mean? Even going seeing, you know, just, but not only on the, not only in the technical side, you know what I mean? Or, uh, but on the, on, on the, even the, uh, the the sense of whether you know, different coaches, different managers, say in football or uh, soccer, how how they're allowed creative players to flourish and the tension all the time between the you know the the brilliant player like you know uh, I remember in my time Rodney Marsh. I used to love Rodney Marsh at Queens Park Rangers. You know what I mean? I mean I'm only getting this through shoot and goal and all those things, but I still like his hairdo. Uh, but but it is these brilliant players that everybody said, yeah, we are brilliant, but he could never play for England or something because he just just didn't understand the game, you know. And so so you're trying all the time to see well how how do, do players like that handle them, and and uh, and also then you you learn from basketball about blocking and creating space and stuff like that. So you learn you learn you learn an awful lot from from looking at other games and looking at people who have achieved great things, you know, um, uh, and, and, you know, how looking at players and trying to, how, how there's like uh, uh, Ron Nogara and how he handled really playing a pressure situation as a number 10 for Ireland uh, and, and was such a dominant personality. And yet you know, he always looked frail to me in the context of the game. And that took some doing, in my view, all the time. And it transformed that he's now become a successful coach. And I'm always interested in that. You know what I mean? That 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 somebody who's able to keep calm in that environment and direct games, you know, that that there is a that's interesting. So you do learn from you do learn from you do learn so much from 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 other sports, uh, for sure. And and beyond, uh, the one of the reasons that we well, the main trigger for getting in touch was the passing of Milan Kundera. I remember we were at an event one time, and you talked about the unbearable lightness of being to describe your yes. forward line. And I yes. was like, ah. and he he died. He did Milan Kundera, yeah, yeah. And so look, you just get you just get sense of, uh, you see, you see. I mean, when you're coaching 
well, for me, you know, when you're coaching the game, and the game in this case, or when you're coaching, like, you do get the opportunity also to chat to people, and especially, you know, in my case, uh, young men. And I think it's an opportunity for, for also for a lot of, for, 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 for really to sort of, sort of, to allow them to um, develop in terms of, in terms of what they want. You know what I mean? Because it's their moment. Like, it's not my moment. It's their moment on the pitch. It's their moment of self-expression. And that self-expression can be preventing a forward score of a goal. You know what I mean? That that moment can be a, a denial of the expression of somebody else. No, it doesn't always have to be the guy who's ever scored the goal. But I think it's allowing people to feel, yeah, this is where I, this is where I perform. You know, uh, this is where I belong. This is what I want to do. And just, you just want to try to create an environment that's as good as you can. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, um, and and I suppose that's that that kind of expression is you know that kind of expression is is really important to me for for if you if you like for for humans human beings. And how do you find that expression now? Uh, that's an interesting question that is still being answered. Uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm still interested in in the game, but also you know I I find uh, I find, for example, at the moment, if you want to know my interest, I'm sort of interested in the tour and the, the cycling. Okay, so I got started cycling there recently. So now I'm interested in in sort of what the Vinegard and 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 Padakar and that battle, and it's not a battle anymore. It's over, I think. But but but. But and I know all the questions that's around sport and, and and cycling and so on. But I I kind of disregard that and I, I try to see the the sporting environment and see see what goes into that. I mean, I watched the Netflix stuff on the tour last year. Uh, the Netflix uh, eight series on the tour last year. There just before this tour started, and even that begins interests me in terms of performance and in terms of in particular. What, if, what if, I know this is a, kind of longer than answer to your question, but what particularly interested me was, for example, the domestique, the role of the domestique in in cycling, and how everybody gives up something for somebody else, uh, and and you give up for your leader here, uh, and you you turn up, and then you're exhausted, and you fall away, and he wins the race or keeps his spot in the general classification, and that sense of for me going back to what we started, that sense of the collective, that sort of giving for others. I'm still fascinated by that element of whether it's hurling or any sport that 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 you know uh, and watching even watching the women's game yesterday, the World Cup game yesterday, and, and so on. You know that sense of giving, that sense of of wanting to give for something to happen. You know, in their case yesterday, something big happening, bigger than the game itself happening at the moment for 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 girls, for young girls in soccer, for example. That's that's going to evolve. I'm ho- hoping to something big. It's it's bigger than what they're playing. In. It's much bigger than the game yesterday, and and you can sense that they some of them are aware of that. And it's that sense of being going beyond yourself is really really important, and that's why the cycling appeals to me and the sort of the role of the going back to the cycling, the role of the general domestique. You know, the the person who just gives and knows knows what their job is. But does their job to the absolute maximum, and and, it, and like it's they're never going to be the star. But without them, 
there'd be no there'd be no leader or there'd be no winner. Uh, and that to me is still an enduring. That to me is still an enduring um, objective for me in sport or even in public life. And would you ever go back to being involved at intercounty level? Do you think? Oh, but, uh, well, I'm retiring officially at the end of this year, so so uh, so maybe when 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 the dust settles, but. I probably, you know, probably, probably, well, probably unlikely. Uh, and in any case, I'd have to see a team that would be of interest. Right. That's not a no. That's <laughs> <laughs> not a no, but it's, I'm running out of time. <laughs> um, I We didn't even talk about the game properly at the weekend. Uh, is there a, a, an obvious winner in your head at the moment? Well, uh, there's not. There is obviously. Uh, the, obviously, Limerick seem to be an obvious winner, and uh, but I think they've yet to yet to hit top form this year. If they all hit top form together again on a day that matters, uh, I think they'll win. But I do respect hugely the Kilkenny, the Kilkenniness of, of of this team being built on a kind of a change, slight reorientation, even to begun when Brian Cody uh, at the end of his career and is still kept and tried to. Try to identify a different way of playing because you know they have been so so uh, boxed for years, and to see them try to play a different game, but also see to keep that element of what really made them to be a super team, uh, you know that 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 sense of of never ever giving in, that sense of belief in what how they play the game, and that you, you talk about learning, you know what I mean? Seeing them up close, I learned so much. Of, of the importance of that ethic in a sense and we learned so much in tip i think uh as well from that and and tried to take that, that on as well but but yeah so i see limerick winning but i won't be one bit surprised and given that they have kenny won and given that they have you know they still got five or six what i consider to be high high quality players start with their full back you know, the Sacramento goalkeeper, fullback, really good. You know, uh, one centre field, centre field, really good, and uh, centre forward or half forward, really good. Inside you have TJ and Cody. So you have six or play, six or seven players that would be what I consider to be a high level, and you have eight or nine players then that really are work and that kick any way that would be outstanding. You know, so yeah, Limerick, I think, but not surprised, Kilkenny. Well, listen, enjoy the game at the weekend and the rest of the tour as well. It's always brilliant to talk to you. Thanks so much for being so generous with your time. No problem. Thanks, Mike. Thanks a million. That's uh, Eamon O'Shea there giving us his thoughts uh, on a career and a life in hurling. Hurling is anyone's game. Off the ball has teamed up with the Senior Hurling Championship sponsors Borgosh Energy to uncover stories highlighting the positive impact that hurling has had on people's lives. For full competition details, please visit borgoshenergy.ie forward slash BGEGAA. Hurling on Off The Ball With Board Gosh Energy Hurling, it's anyone's game